You're listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. For more information, please visit our website at everynationgta.org. Good morning. My name is Bert, and I'm the senior pastor at Every Nation GTA, and our associate teaching pastor, Richard Kidger, he's uh, away, got a much-deserved uh, week off of vacation, and so they're going to enjoy the beautiful weather away. Um, isn't it great to hear that testimony from Mercedes and writing her exams? And we have such a diverse uh, church with people in all walks of life, some people who are students, some people who are new to can- Canada, some people who have been here all their lives, different ages, different backgrounds, but it's great to see God at work in everybody's life and whatever area that God has them in. It's great to see God practically coming through and strengthening and helping people exactly where they're at. And so our really our prayer for you, if you're new, is that wherever you are, whatever you're going through, whatever you're pursuing, that you will find strength, purpose, help, everything that you need uh, through God. But God does use his people uh, as a part of that process. And so we hope that we can be a part of that process with you, uh, being able to uh, help you move forward in your spiritual journey. Well, we've uh, taken a pause of our Unstoppable series. Of, uh, it's a group of messages from the book of Acts. And for the rest of the summer, we're just going to do something called Summer Mix. And we're going to have various sermons. So here's kind of the first one in our Summer Mix series. And it's really a, a Canada Day message. And I've preached many of these over the years. It's uh, one of the favorite things for me to do. But this year it was a little different and a little bit more difficult. And so our title today is simply A Prayer for Canada. A Prayer for Canada. Uh, I mentioned that it's been hard for me uh, to come up with a message for this year. And here's why. I just feel conflicted. I feel conflicted this year because I want to be proud of Canada. I want to pray for Canada. But at the same time, with all these revelations of the residential school uh, system and and the atrocities that happened through then, it's hard for me to um, feel the same way just right now about my country. The other thing that I feel a bit conflicted is just because of my background is mixed. Um, For those of you who might be new to Canada, Canada has three indigenous peoples, uh, the First Nations, uh, with over 600 tribes across Canada, the Inuit, which are the indigenous peoples of the north, and then the Métis. Métis in French means mixed. And it's some of the early settlers who um, intermarried with First Nations uh, people and created this mixed race um, one of the centers is in St. Boniface near Winnipeg, a part of Winnipeg, in the Red River area, but all across Canada there are Métis, and I happen to be uh, one of this third group of indigenous people, Métis mixed, where on my mom's side uh, is, has the French Aboriginal uh, mixed blood, and then my dad's side, more English-Scottish, and so even within myself and my own story, it's hard for me to sort out how I'm supposed to feel. Am I supposed to feel... Uh, you know, European? Am I supposed to feel French? Am I supposed to feel, you know, indigenous? I I have this mixture of emotions. And so it's been difficult to sort of, and now we have this country called Canada that is, you know, emerged, uh, but it hasn't been easy. And so at the end of it, I just said, Lord, I need help not to just preach a message. I need to help myself just to figure out how I'm feeling about things about this because it's been hard. 
And so I thought, well, what do I do as a follower of Jesus? Like I am a pastor, and so I should, you know, I should have an answer for this at some level. And so the greatest uh, answer is just to go to the, the Word of God. And so I just began to look up scriptures um, that talk about uh, what God thinks about nations. And I started by just centering in on this first one, Psalm 67, uh, verse 1 to 5. And it's actually in the Psalm book of the Bible, which is the book of prayers. And so this Psalm was actually, has this little um, part where it says Selah or Selah. And no one officially knows what that means. I think there's about 74 times in the Bible where this is. But most people think that it's some sort of musical notation, like pause and reflect or something like that. So that's the best uh, guess that scholars have. So the reason I'm bringing this up is that this particular passage that I'm going to share was sung over and over and over again. And so it was very common in Israel. And here's here's the, it's a very hope-inspiring psalm. Here's how it goes. To the choir master with stringed instruments, a psalm, a song. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. Selah. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the people praise you. O God, let the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Selah. Let the people praise you, O God. Let the peoples praise you. And so when we talk about this, we see that God instructed his people and even us today to begin to sing praises to God, that he's he's figured out the nations, that God's uh, joy is that the people of all the nations would be able to be rejoiced and they'll be able to be glad in all that God has for us. So God is very positive about nations. He made the nations of the world, as we're going to see and that we should be able to rejoice, even though that we live in a sinful, dark, and fallen world. That's also part of our, our existence. And so let's look at three things then of what we're called to do. If you're a follower of Jesus, uh, this is what we are called to do, I believe, is in regard to our nation, Canada today, but all the nations, whatever nation that you're a part of. And let, let me also make a notice a note here that in the Bible, nation isn't necessarily just geopolitical lines on the map that we have today, but the word nation is actually translated from the word ethnos, and we get ethnicity from it. And so God is talking about just not the geopolitical boundaries that we call Canada and the United States and Philippines and South Africa and Brazil, but we're talking also about all the different peoples, the nations, the ethnos, the peoples with them, that all the people groups of the world, God uh, wants to uh, redeem and wants to help and strengthen. And so what are we to do in the nations? Number one, I believe that we are called to profess God as sovereign over the nations. And I'm, I tried to make three P words, sort of like how Pastor Richard does it. I'm not good as hit him at doing this, but here's my best attempt. So we are called to number the first P, profess God as sovereign over uh, the nations. It's amazing to me uh, that through history, how many nations have risen, become world par- powers, and then disappear completely. Um, great empires, some of the greatest empires of the world, some of the greatest nations of the world don't even exist anymore. It's, it's almost like for us, it just seems like nations have such enduring power. But when you look in world history, it's not like that. They come and go. It's amazing also to me 
that the only nation that has actually endured has been the nation of Israel. God made a covenant with Abraham and said that this will be an everlasting nation and that there will be something powerful about it. And even when the Holocaust came and exiles and uh, all the things that happened in the nation of Israel, somehow God has maintained uh, the promise to Abraham, who is the father of Israel. Um, Let's look at another scripture, Acts 17, 26. It says this, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined the allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. So what we see here is that God is sovereign over the nations. He, he decides when a nation is it's gonna, it's time to end, when maybe they've strayed so far from uh, from the ways of God, or maybe they've been so hurtful and harmful to one another or whatever it has been, just strayed from uh, the reality and the truth that God would have people walk in. So God is the one who is allotting the times, the periods. And so just like our li- individual lives are in the hands of God, so are the nations of the world. They are in God's hands. And we, can, um, and we are to profess that. We're to take comfort in it. Um, God's purpose in creating a nation, the first nation of Israel, was to showcase how a people, a nation, if they walk closely with Lord, the Lord, how he could bless them, how he could raise them up, how he could create a peace, a shalom. In fact, that's why the nation of Israel was originally raised up by God. And we see this in Genesis 12 too. When God was speaking to Abraham, he said this, and I will make a great you a great nation, and I'll bless you and make your name great. Why? So that you will be a blessing. And so even the first nation that was created as a distinct people, uh, the nation of Israel, God wanted them to be blessed, to be a blessing. And so God has a purpose in our nation, and that should be uh, our goal and our, and our prayer. The other thing that we need to profess and understand is that one day God will bring the full impact of his glorious kingdom to bear and there'll be peace among the nations. Um, and our Bible reading, I'm actually a little bit behind, but um, my wife is right on track and she just r- read in Micah and I said, hey, Micah is a great verse and I was gonna, I'm, we're going to look at Micah in just a second. And she said, oh, I just read that this morning. And I said, I should have read it this morning. Um, true confessions. So, Let's look at it, though. It's, it's still a great scripture, even if I'm behind. Um, he shall judge between many peoples and shall decide for nations far away, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. And so the first thing that we're... Isn't that a great promise, first of all? I, whenever I read that, I think one day God is going to redeem not only our lives, but nations and the world. And that'll be a glorious time. And so there's hope. So these are the things that we profess. We profess that God created nations, that he has a purpose in it, that, that one day he will bring the perfection that he always wanted for our lives and for nations. Secondly, we are called to preserve our nation by living kingdom values. We're called to, there's the second P, preserve our nation by living kingdom values values. How a country goes and how a nation goes isn't so much 
uh, dependent on just the government and things like that. But the way that God looks at it is the people of God are the salt and light within a nation. Let me say that again. It's the people of God who are the salt and light within a nation. And sometimes we think that, well, in, in this time and place, Jesus followers are a real minority uh, in, our, in our nation. Yet if, if we will live and connect with God in the way that he would have, God can still do mighty things through us and preserve our nation in great ways. Um, it doesn't, there's an old saying, uh, God plus one is a majority. God plus one is a majority. So it's, it's, it's a trite saying in some ways, but there's a lot of truth to it. When you see in the scripture how it was often, if you know your Old Testament, it was one man, Daniel, who stood. You know, one man. You know, when, when they rebuilt the, the wall under Nehemiah, it was one man who said, let's go and rebuild J- Jerusalem. It, 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 doesn't take, it doesn't take that many. And when you have a few people contending and praying and trying to live out kingdom values, it can make a big difference. And how do we do that? We do that by becoming a nation within our nation. Let me say that again. It's by being a nation within our nation. That's how we preserve the first way. And I'm going to have a second way in just a minute. But by being a nation, 1 Peter 2.9 says this, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. God has actually called us to be a nation under him. We actually are dual citizens. Or if you're a part of more than one country citizen, you could be a multiple citizen. But minimally, you're going to be a citizen of the country that you're born in, and if you're a follower of Jesus, you're going to be a dual citizen because you're going to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. And that citizenship is actually the more important citizenship than the one that is on your passport. That your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. That you are, that you are signed, sealed to him. That you've been redeemed by his grace. That is the most important citizenship that we will ever have. And that makes us great peacemakers because we're not going to war on the same level. We love our nation, but we'll never become nationalistic in the sense of we're the best, we're the best, because we know we're not. We've already settled that, that there is no nation that's the best. There is no, there is no person that's perfect. We've already settled that. We, we, we've, we, we are in a fallen, broken world, and we're fallen and broken people. And it's by grace that we move forward. It's grace that we're saved. It's grace that we're forgiven. It's grace that we have air to breathe today and that we're continuing on with our life. It's all grace that we have a job and we have food and we have shelter and all the things. It's all by grace. But when we live in this kingdom counter culture, I wrote this down. Practically what this means is that we live in a counterculture way, acknowledging a just and loving king We live out the way of Jesus, laying down our lives for others as he did for us, not trying to gain wealth or power for ourselves, but to lay down our power and use our wealth in service of others. That's what it means to be uh, a, a person of God's kingdom. 
gaining power, gaining wealth, those types of pursuits are not Christian pursuits. Now, that doesn't mean that God doesn't ever bless to be a blessing. This is the tension we have to live in. God will sometimes bless to be a blessing, but chasing after wealth and power is not a Christian pursuit. Our pursuit is to be good stewards of whatever God gives us and be faithful and thankful and grateful for the gifts, the callings, the job, the things that he has given us to give thanks and not to be a part of the rat race. Because here's the thing. Even if you win the rat race, you'll still be a rat. So another one of those dad jokes. So the second way we're called to persevere, uh, uh, preserve our nation is simply by proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. So it's not just by living a different way, but it's speaking forth the good news. Now, the Great Commission in both Luke and Matthew emphasizes that the gospel should be preached, not just to individuals, but to entire nations. Uh, look at this, Luke 24, 46 and 47. And Jesus said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. Now, no, it's the gospel of the kingdom, not even the gospel of the church. We're not to be involved in churchianity. Now, the kingdom is bigger than the church, and we're to love the church, and Jesus is going to build the church. But we're not proclaiming the church. We're proclaiming the kingdom. We're proclaiming Christ and his kingdom, which is bigger the church is, has a responsibility in the kingdom of God, but the kingdom of God is not within the church. And if we get that backwards, then we'll be promoting the wrong thing. We, ex we preach the gospel of the kingdom. We expend his kingdom. His kingdom means wherever the rule and reign of Christ is, that's his kingdom. Where things are going according to God's plan and order, that's the kingdom. Where things are messed up, and there's hate, and there's violence, that's not the kingdom. Where there's greed, that's not the kingdom. Where there's selfishness, that's not the kingdom. The kingdom is where righteousness and peace dwell, where kindness dwells, where care for one another is the order of the day. And so we preserve by proclaiming this wonderful message of the kingdom. Now, there was a period in church history known as Christendom, in medieval Europe especially, and there was, don't get me wrong, there were some good things that happened in Christendom. There was great advancements in arts, science, culture, and things like that, but there was, if there was one dark part of Christendom, and that was what historian, uh, church historian David McCullough, a Brit, said this. He said the, the negative side is that Christendom became a, unit, a union between Christianity and secular power. There was a union between Christianity and secular power. So instead of the power of love, the power of the Holy Spirit, it became the power of the state. And Christianity was never meant to be synchronized in with state power. Um, here's how I like to say it. God does not call us to make a covenant with secular power to advance the kingdom. We cherish the freedom to preach the gospel so that 
whosoever will may come. That's Revelation uh, 22, I believe. That whoever may come. You might ask yourself, how can such horrible things be done in the name of God with people actually thinking that God is with them? Well, at any time, people's hearts can stray from God and they can, they can have the trappings of church and Christianity, but deny the power and deny the presence of the Lord himself. It does happen. All the way back into Jesus' day, this is what he said. These were the people who had memorized the Bible, the Pharisees and the scribes. Here's what he called them in Matthew 15. He said, you hypocrites. Here's meek and mild Jesus. Well, did Jesus prophesy of you when he said, these people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And so whenever our hearts stray from God, you can still carry on with the trappings of church life and Christianity and thinking that somehow that is the deal, but it's not the deal. And although I identify with the church of Jesus Christ, I do not identify what's called, what, what, whenever a so-called church intermingles its power with secular power and non-Christian and non-biblical ways, I do not identify with that. That is not the true church of Jesus. That is people whose hearts have strayed from him and are counting on other things other than him, other than his great mercy, his great love, and what we've been talking about lately, the power of his Holy Spirit to get the job done. Finally, thirdly, we are called to pray for our nation. Pray for our nation. Uh, when we were meeting in person from time to time, we would have people, because we're Every Nation Church and I remember one of our small groups counted 17 different languages in just their small group that people spoke. But I don't know how many different languages and accents are in our church. But I know on more than one occasion, we've had people come up to the front and just say a line. Maybe it's just praise the Lord or Merry Christmas in, in, in all the different languages or, or pray a short little prayer in different languages. And it was beautiful. But um, one thing we've never done is, and we're going to, this is going to be monumental, at least in my mind. Today, we're going to actually have a First Nations person pray in, a, in, in Cree, a mother tongue of our first peoples. We've never had that at, at our church. Uh, rather than just me pray for Canada, I've, um, I'm going to show a video clip of um, Chief Kenny Blacksmith. Now, Chief Kenny is a um, person who survived the residential school system. Um, who's had many atrocities uh, in his life. But he found Jesus and now is a spiritual leader in our nation. Not to just the indigenous people, but also to, to everybody. He accepts everybody. He loves white people. He loves the newcomers to Canada. He loves all nations. In fact, I think his ministry is called something like All Nations or something like that. Um, so he's going to just share a little bit. Um, there was an interview done less than two weeks ago, and I just took this clip from an, uh, an interview and he's just going to share a little bit that the question was given, you know, what do you want to say to Canadians? And then it's going to, uh, transition into him praying a little bit in Cree and then into, 
uh, English. And so one last thing before we, we show this clip, and that is maybe you're from another country and you think, wow, you know, the atrocities of the residential school system. Um, but you may think, but there's negative things going on in our country, in, my, in your home nation. I know at small group not too long ago, uh, different people were sharing of just how difficult it was of things that were going, really difficult things, atrocities let's, were happening in their home country. And even though that they're living in Canada now, their heart is so connected to their, their country of origin that it was just breaking their hearts. I want to speak to you, and that is God is the God of not only who can heal this blight in Canada of the way we've treated the First Peoples, but God can heal whatever's going on in your nation too. And that's why we need to pray. And now I'll turn it over to Chief Kenny as we conclude. Asked um, Carlisle was a place that I went to speak at a number of years ago. And Carlisle, Pennsylvania, is the mother of all Indian restaurant schools. This is where it all began. And uh, we went there, and uh, I tell you, there's rows and rows of crosses on that land because hundreds of children died. I don't know what the cause of death was, but there's a grave burial site there. And Louise and I stood, and uh, you know, we 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 cried, and basically. You know, we felt, what have we done? What have we done in our nation? It's not just the Indian Restaurant School. I, I mean, I do sympathize, and I, my heart is broken with all the, the deaths that have taken place. But right across Canada, there's, there's still a lot of atrocities that are beyond First Nation Inuit Métis. You know, Canada really is at a crossroads. Canada needs to turn itself back to God. Canada, as, as a people, need to return to God. And, and out, out of his love, out of his strength, out of his power, we can learn how to deal with these things. The past will always be the past. But it should never dictate what we hope, what we dream for a better Canada. Father, we just thank you 
that we can come in this manner to be able to meet together. Lord, I pray a blessing on each and every one that has been able to come to join in and those that will look at this video. May you speak to them. May you help them find their place with you. Help us to love one another. Help us to forgive one another. Don't let us be controlled by anger, by frustration, for a loss of hope and brokenness. Let us find that abundant life in you, no matter what. Let us hope in you. Let us dream again that Canada will be a, a good place to live in now and into the future. Don't let us be bogged down by everything else that is going on, whether political, uh, whether it's in the church or whether it's in the Indian restaurant school, or whether, whichever, Lord, whatever is happening right now has happened or is happening and even will happen. So, Father, we just ask you to help us Lord, we turn into you. We return to you and we say, here we are. Would you bless Canada? Would you bless all people? Would you bring a covering of peace that the world cannot give? Would you bring life back into this nation, order into this nation, that we can be a righteous nation, speaking in truth and in love. So Father, we thank you for what you're going to do. We thank you for what you have done, but we are expecting that greater things are yet ahead for your honor and for your glory. In Yeshua's name. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. Thanks for joining us. For more information, visit our website at everynationgta.org.